0: Hey everybody! Welcome to uh, the new episode of um, Everything Design Show. So I'm Nicholas, and today I have a special guest. Uh, he's uh, joining us all the way from uh, Ireland. Uh, his name is Siawan, uh, uh, and he's the director and business development uh, director of business development and co-founder of Lee and Otega, Lee and Ortega, um, and the company mainly does uh, sound. Uh, music, sound, and voice for games and other media. Siowon um, is an entrepreneur, a speaker, founder of the Asian Games Summit, and he graduated from the Berkeley College of Music. So that's my uh, very quick introduction of Siowon. But you know, hi, Xiaoan say hi to everybody. Uh, hi.
1: So just uh, just to jump in a little bit. Uh, it's Asian Game Audio Summit, and in the, in addition to being all those things, <laughs> I am also an old friend of Nick's. Uh, we were in the army together, and we endured two years of a considerable amount of bullshit together. I hope it's okay for me to say that.
0: That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I I, uh, oh, yeah. I don't think I have any kids on the show, so um, you know, as long as okay. we can get too vulgar, we should be fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No uh, but the two years was good. Um, we did. Uh, yeah, we we met actually in uh, in army, so we were both in the music drama company. Um, we were performers for the uh you know, the the army at that point of time. You know, I used to sing in the previous life and you know uh Xiawan, as you can see is still in the music world. You know, he was uh he was in the band but he also helped us sing uh when we needed uh, a bass for the our vocal ensemble. Um so yeah very uh, multi-talented, you know, can play the bass. Uh the guitar, many different instruments as well, composer. Um, But yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, Seong, why don't you tell us a little bit of what you're doing now um, uh, in your line of work.
1: The long and short of it is that, personally, I am writing music uh, for media, right? So that includes games, that includes advertising, right? And honestly, anyone who wants to throw a few bucks at me, a considerable few bucks at me, then uh, I will work for them, right? And in addition to that, uh, the company that I run Uh, We have a team that does music also, uh, sound design, right, as well as sound consulting because and uh, in interactive audio, you know, for games, I mean, there is quite a bit of technology required. So sometimes that requires a little bit of uh, extra work outside of the typical sound design you might expect on linear media like films. And in addition to that, we also function um, sort of as a voice agency right in that we arrange for uh, VO recordings and stuff for games and other productions
0: okay okay any um, any, any uh, what's the latest project that you've uh, the non confidential project that you've 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 been working on that you know mm-hmm. some of the does sure. have some experience with those mm-hmm. games
1: sure uh, so i mean i would say that the the game with the largest number of players that we've worked on is free fire by garena uh, it's um, the game studio is based in Shanghai, but it's a Singapore incorporated company uh, known as SEA. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you call it C or SEA, but um, the game has 450 million users worldwide. Wow. So it's a battle royale game. It's quite popular, and uh, we've been quite happy doing a bunch of voiceover work for them. Mm. Hopefully, they'll hire us to do some of the other stuff
2: as well.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I mean, uh, uh, when I, when I, when I sort of. In the recent sort of years, I've been sort of connected with with xwan in and I've noticed that you know with the work that he was doing was Um, you know, I I sort of had a following of his career in a way because I followed him on Facebook, followed him on LinkedIn, and then I also saw you, uh, you know, in terms of like, oh, you were starting out, uh, you know, in the States, you know, started your career there, um, you know, doing, you know, uh, I think you were doing orchestra, you know, composing for orchestra music as well, and then you game, so yeah. So maybe um... um,
1: Back in Boston, um, the first thing I did uh, right after I graduated, I had a very difficult first year, right? Mm -hmm. I was on a bunch of freelance websites. I had no idea how to find clients as a composer. And, you know, companies sure as hell weren't um, really open to hiring someone with a music degree. Mm -hmm. So uh, left with very few other options and needing some kind of a reason to stay in the United States for a longer time to build my career. I started an orchestra recording company, so um, I called friends, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends, sold my guitar and uh, created the first showreel for the orchestra. Um, It was a a pretty difficult five years, it wasn't great money but it was enough to keep me afloat and uh, it was a very educational experience because I would uh, produce, conduct, manage, hire uh, and uh, these orchestras and also help to negotiate salaries and stuff, mediate discussions between the musicians union and my clients. So um, all in all, a very effective learning experience. It was also through this, it was this that I used as a vehicle to uh, begin learning about sales.
2: Mm. Um,
1: mainly the outbound sales is it's pretty much bullshit nowadays. All right. <laughs> so it's, it's extremely difficult and very hard to scale. Yep. So uh, I learned a little bit about inbound content marketing, right? I learned about, you know, setting up a website, everything, you know, basically when you have to do everything yourself, you learn a little bit about everything. I think that this is um, made, it has shaped my thinking and my brain,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: so that I'm able to very quickly come up with um mishmash of solutions to problems that come up as and when they do.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I would imagine, you know, um, you know, when you were in school um, they would have taught you all the things that you need to learn in terms of, you know, uh, jazz. <laughs> but you know, you're talking about these other skills, did they cover that yeah. in school or were mo- most of it was, you know, on, 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 on the road you had to pick up on your own?
1: I had I, I one conversation, I had one or two conversations about business with some professors in Berkeley. One of them advised me to go to LA and knock on some doors. Mm. So, in, in other words, I think that that advice may have worked, um, I don't know, in the 50s, <laughs> if I was white, <laughs> all right, and privileged. But um, while I am from a privileged subset of Singaporean society, yeah. uh, it, that doesn't cut any ice in the United States. So, um, I knew immediately that what he was telling me was a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. Right, even though he was well-meaning and it probably worked for him, you know, but um, they did not teach us really anything about business. I mean, you learn about licensing and stuff like that in the music business major, right? You learn about managing a band and stuff like that. But I think when it comes to the issues of sales, of marketing yourself, personal branding, um, that kind of stuff, the the very practical stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you learn... I, I don't I don't know what to want necessarily to equate it to. But when you when you leave the school, then you have a lot of these things that you haven't you don't really have a lot of applied knowledge, hmm. right? So um, those things were all very much picked up as and when I needed them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I mean, you talked about this, you know, applied applied learning, which is which is something that um we're hearing quite a bit uh, about in, in, in Singapore. Mm-hmm. How or your degree should be a step up for you in terms of um getting that applied knowledge. Mm-hmm. Do you what was the what would you have if if there's something that you could add into your your degree right 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 now? Mm-hmm. What's one lesson or module that you would create that? You know, all future musician or musicians or people who are doing a bachelor's in music or you know starting out their music career. Mm. What's one module that you think will be very useful for for for, for them Mm. that really sort of get the Mm. ball rolling?
1: Mm. So uh Nicholas, you will remember probably that this is a this was a lesson that I needed to learn very badly in the army. So my my module would be how not to be an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because no matter how good you are and no matter and even if what you feel like you're just demanding high standards of people because you believe they're capable of it,
2: mm-hmm. right,
1: how you come across and how you understand how they're feeling and what they need to hear is yeah. very different from just kind of bulldozing through and trying to get a result so I think you know maybe that would be one of the classes, like one 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 of the weeks, right how not to be an asshole, and the rest of the time, I would be focusing on where to meet people, how to meet them and how to maintain those relationships, mm-hmm. right? Because in my experience for my work, um, I've had jobs come after three years of carefully nurturing the seeds wow. of a tenuous relationship, right? So it's, I, I cannot stress, I cannot overstress how important it is to learn um, about people and it's not just how to be friendly, right? Because you can be friendly and talk about yourself all the time. You also need to know how to balance your conversation. You also need to uh, to know how to ask questions, Hmm. right? Because if you don't ask questions, you never get answers, right? It sounds cheesy, but like, how else are you going to learn important information about someone else, you know? you, You need to know about their goals, Yep. You need to know about things they like and don't like so you don't, bring those things, uh, you don't bring the things they don't like up. For example, if the person you're talking to happens to be religious, regardless of your own personal views, there is nothing to be gained from trying to correct their deep-seated beliefs. Yep. You know, So you, you need to have that sensitivity and prioritize the other person's needs and wants over your immediate need to say something stupid. <laughs> yeah? So yeah. I would say that yeah, if, if I had to if I to in include one particular module, yeah. right, it is specifically people skills.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's something I'm, I'm I'm surprised. But I mean when you talked about um, you know, mentioning how you were in army, even I mean, when I think about it, I actually <laughs> before I had this conversation with you, I thought about it and I thought actually one thing about Xiaoan that I really um, liked, you know, thinking about my relationship mm-hmm. with him is that you were always very honest. You were never one to be around the bush to, to sort of try and please somebody because you, you know, in uh, what you were saying was was factual, right? What you your perspective mm-hmm. you brought to the table, like what you said is to the perspectives that you were brought to the table were about improving that person to say that you could sing mm-hmm. better, you can play better, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Give, you you have this knowledge you can be a better performer, you know. So that was the context mm-hmm. needed to, 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 to be better in that sense. So in my mind that has always been the 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 the, the, the I think the persona that I've I've had, you know, knowing you. Okay. Yeah. So.
1: Thank you. That's a very that's, I, I think that's a very uh generous interpretation and I appreciate it. Uh, I would say that um, mm. there is a happy medium, right? Mm. There is um, brutal honesty yeah. and then there is honesty right? So, and then there is uh, not being forthcoming, yeah. you know, like uh, not telling people your opinion, and then, you know, you need to bring up your level of assertiveness. Yeah. So, all of us sort of like are, are on the left of, or right of this center,
2: yeah.
1: right, At where where it's ideal, right? And this center is very different depending on the kind of person that you're talking to, mm-hmm. right? If you were speaking to someone, if you're speaking to someone who is an entrepreneur, right, and who's been like, Busting their ass for a long time, and they know what suffering is, right? They know you. For you to tell them uh, something straight up, that's probably something they would appreciate because they like to solve problems before they become big problems. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, let's say you were a manager, and then you got a fresh graduate, right, from a privileged background, right, Mm -hmm. and you're supposed you you have to work with them because HR let them in, Mm -hmm. right, and maybe they're smart, but they're really sensitive. Then your honesty has to be tempered with different styles of delivery, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to shift your center wherever you need to, right? We, You know that I have this <laughs> side
2: already, right? So for me,
1: the strength is, has been being able to shift that uh, to the center and sometimes even more to the left if I need to. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
0: No, no. I was gonna say, um, which is great. I mean, that said, I mean, yeah. We talk about that brutal honesty that you you had, yeah. in, um, yeah. maybe ten ten years, yeah. ten, more than ten years ago. And yeah, if it, if shift, I mean, it, it just shows that we're all learning, right? I mean, we're we're all improving, yeah. and you know, so which is great, which is great, yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, you you've been in you've been overseas for the past ten years, um. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, you're you're starting to sort of um um you know, uh maybe potentially um, you know, come back post COVID. Um okay look for for, um, for maybe look for work here or uh, more uh, projects in the, in the industry okay. um, Just based I guess based on your your, your 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 own experiences do you feel that um, within Singapore and maybe in the states or, or other other countries are there any big big differences in terms of the, the music the music industry or the music scene in, in Singapore?
1: Well, okay, so let's let's talk about it from a very practical standpoint, okay? So just in terms of market size, right? Domestic market size, China, US, Singapore, completely different, yeah. right? So if you were trying to tackle a domestic market, mm-hmm. like, say, people, uh, Singaporeans, Chinese-Singaporean singing English music, <laughs> you know, because they, and they would be catering to the mostly English-speaking Singaporeans, you know, like that's a small market, yeah. right? So, but let's talk in the context of advertising, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're familiar with the fact that, you know, depending uh, if you're a third-party contractor on a, on on an ad, right, mm-hmm. they will kind of adjust your rate or you will have to quote your rate depending on the usage, the term, the number of territories and stuff like that. So, if the thing is going to be locally shown, then in Singapore, you know, I've, ex- I've experienced some less than ideal rates, mm. right? I mean, and I think that these less than ideal rates are okay as long as you temper your expectations. But sometimes if clients are unable to temper their expectations uh, as to the quality or as to the amount of bells and whistles that you can put on something, then you get, you your expectations don't match reality, and then that's where you get unhappiness. Yeah. Um. So the difference, I think, in the industries is that, um, where there is a bigger market size, is just going to be better paying because the ads will make more money, right? They have they they are able to sell that, right? With with that in mind, mm. so I think that if anyone wants to do creative work in Singapore, they should temper their expectations, especially if they're coming back from the U.S. But just to clarify, uh, most of my clients are just are from overseas. They, yeah. Most of my clients have never been where I live. Even when I lived in Boston, uh, most of my clients were from outside of that. I see. Right? So I think for Singaporeans, uh, considering how much remote work is going on nowadays, if your work is good, an international community can recognize you. Hmm. Right? So... If you're a Singaporean and you want to work in Singapore and I've talked to a lot of Singaporeans who seem to have this very fatalistic mindset of, oh, it's small, you know, uh, we'll never be able to do here what you can do overseas, Mm -hmm. which is nonsense, right? Because I I know brilliant, brilliant musicians living in New York, hoping for a chance to one day play on Broadway, living in a tiny apartment with three other people, Mm -hmm. right? And you gotta ask yourself whether Singaporeans are willing to do the same. <laughs> and I think you know we're just far too comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I think you 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 definitely spoke about. Um, I mean, the point that you you made, which I think is uh, very um, uh, is essential to think about when you're you're in the creative industry or you, especially in your you're in the gig gig economy You're you're doing mm-hmm. freelance work. Um, mm-hmm. it, to showcase your, you need to be able to put your work out there. I mean, you and. Yeah is be able to put quality work out there do you think yeah. um uh, apart from you know putting their work up on you know uh the digital platforms you know uh whether it's uh you know youtube or instagram uh mm-hmm. h- how would you you know what would you recommend someone who's 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 new to this uh, you know to, mm-hmm. to bring their music their music out um you know apart from platforms uh, what what else mm-hmm. do they could do to 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 grow that 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 um, their potential client pool, especially mm-hmm. nationally so in
1: addition to the impersonal posting of content online, right mm-hmm. I mean of course you can be vulnerable, you can be personal on the posts, and your videos can reflect that also uh, but that's by and large it's sort of a very detached thing to do right okay. so uh, in addition to that you must constantly be connecting with people from all walks of life, right? You never know who knows someone who knows someone who could eventually give you a million dollars, right? So uh, I think it's really important for people to be constantly meeting others. And I think this is, is, has to be a central part of your business. Mm. Gone, gone, long gone are the days when creative people are were allowed to be weird <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and I mean, you can still be weird, but you have to be personable. Mm. You have to be able to get along with people and people have to be able to trust you, right? Mm. Because, you know, previously, maybe you had to work within a radius of a few kilometers, right? Because that was the size of the town. But now because of the internet, if people don't like your personality, they can tell you to piss off, yeah. right? So they, they can go somewhere else. They can go on Fiverr, mm. right? And chances are someone, someone who's on Fiverr could probably be better than you right because you don't know what country they're working in with what standard of living Mm -hmm. right so if they're working in a country where 50 bucks for a gig is great and it's going to feed them for the week then why the hell not right Um, so uh, in terms of how uh, in addition to uh, doing the online posting the impersonal stuff and then the personal stuff of meeting people and maintaining these relationships I think we need to sort of remember how business was conducted in, you know, the old days where you have a main street and you have people hawking their wares, right? And if you kind of, have, you know, if you've been in any sort of street food culture where you see people vending things on the street, they will be shouting things, singing slogans, right? Literally, that was, that, that was just ads, right? And and people would be talking about their wares, right? Even now in Singapore, you know, you see this uncle or this auntie with a mic, right, selling some knife or some some uh, detergent, right. And some of them are brilliant, right. And I think we need to take a leaf out of their book because they they are loud, right. They are speaking louder than other people. They are penetrating, right, the the milieu, right. They are getting noticed right? That's number one. And then once you get noticed, you have something that's important to say that people are interested in. You know, hire me is not interesting. It just never is, right? So if we think of like, let's say, I I, I like LinkedIn a lot, right? I think it's much less of a dumpster fire than Twitter and Facebook is generally just for friends, right? But LinkedIn, I feel like it's a, it's a great and growing international community where you can still get noticed, right? And you can keep things on business, Think of that as your main street. Mm. Why should people strolling down their timeline or the main street stop at your thing, Mm. right? And at that point, when they stop and they see that it's entertaining, right? Maybe you walk the street several times before you decide to walk into the store and buy something. Mm. So, and maybe those people, maybe some other people are entertained by it, but they're not in the market for your services. But the engagement helps LinkedIn to push your content out to other people. So think of it sort of like in the old school way,
2: mm.
1: you know, how are you getting noticed? Just the fact that your work is good, is not good enough, mm. right? Like you can say that, you're, that something, like, uh, something that you make is strong, like uh, let's say a pot that you made is strong right? And you just say the strongest part in the world. No one's going to believe you. But if you took a boulder and you dropped it on it and boulder cracked in half, then someone's going to notice, right? So I think when when it comes to creative work, I think if you can stand out, you can be different. uh, You can catch people's attention. Um, Chances are people will notice and remember you. Hmm. And then they might be more likely to hire you as a result because they already know who you are.
0: Yeah. So would you say that the tactic that you've taken on LinkedIn now in terms of, I mean, from what you're posting, the, your competitions, uh, your, yeah. your workflow, your processes, are these um, little, I guess, um, crumbs that you're putting out to attract the, the, yeah. the potential clients?
1: So it's a work in progress, right? So I I definitely don't know all the answers as to how to get people to, because otherwise I would be making a lot of money, right? And I, I'm, I'm making enough, right? But I'm not rolling in it. So my goal, of course, is to roll in it. And uh, if, when I go on, I'm always experimenting with different approaches, right? I write things where, for example, um, you may have noticed, like sometimes I write uh, like this, fictional conversation between a client and myself,
2: mm.
1: right? Uh, obviously, I mean, their brief is weird, but it's it's never so succinct that it always works for a post. So some of that is sort of stretched, mm. right? And I put it there because I want people to see this guy is agreeable no matter what insanity is thrown at him,
2: <laughs>
1: right? So, and it's funny, right? I mean, I like to think that I have, uh, uh, I have, studied humor a little bit right especially in the written form and i like to think that i am able to sort of like put little succinct nuggets out there and this so the humor is part of the personal brand because people trust people who are funny
2: hmm.
1: right it's just kind of it makes you feel good right it makes you it uh you feel like the person is personable but you feel like you know them a little bit right it's an insight into my life and then i talk a little bit uh, below that, I talk about sort of uh, some of the techniques that I use Mm -hmm. and I research hashtags with the most followers in my particular industry and I use that. So that's one method, right? Conversations between the client and myself. And then uh, there's other methods where I try to share a personal story. Mm -hmm. Um, And man, it's it's just really complicated like how who you want to reach because I put up a thing recently on um, not being able to get a job after I left school,
0: yeah, yeah yeah, and
1: the last time I put it up, I think it had like twenty, thirty thousand views, mm. right, which is pretty good for LinkedIn, right and uh, I put it up, I think maybe two days ago, and I think it's up to like twelve plus thousand right now, mm. um, I reused it. I just repurposed it for COVID, yeah right uh, because i I wanted to test and see if because really, there is just some content that works. Yeah, it's insane actually. Like, you, you, on, on the one hand, sometimes you know, you're unfairly deprioritized depending on the time that you post, but, but sometimes there's just content that just works. So, but the thing is, the 12,000 views that I, that I got, are those the impressions that I want? Hmm. You know, they may not be the people who are in the market for my services. So, even though it feels good to have a lot of engagement, maybe it's more effective to just have like, you know, 500 of exactly the kind of people that I want so uh, I, I know that's a little bit of a long answer but it's, it's a work in progress I think that anybody who's using social media needs to avoid sticking to a formula for too long hmm. right because people's interest will waver right and, and um, you just need to constantly reinvent yourself in every way yeah you know, your communication, but, you know, keep things that are your brand.
0: Yeah. So I mean, even for me, with this podcast also, I'm I'm learning a lot. I mean, uh, in terms of how do I share the post? Do I just put the link up? Do I take a snippet out of it and then, you know, post it as a video? Um, and then, you know, what are the links that I put? Do I just put every single link up there, like a YouTube link, uh, a podcast link, a Spotify, blah, 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 everything down there? Or mm-hmm. do I just have one link and then everything goes through that. So I'm also, you know, I, I, it's still in a very experimental stage for me. You know, I'm sure there's some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, social media guru out there who knows a lot more. Um, but I agree. I, I think that the experimentation is uh, is a very important process because, I mean, social media works... You know, very dynamically. You know, in different platforms, yeah. very differently as well. Not just about the time you post; it's also about what content you're putting out there. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know. So I think you know, it's 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 a it's a it definitely is an experimentation that we're we're both um, you know going through and trying to explore yeah. as much as we can. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I, I definitely and and I think going back to what you mentioned about um, you know why that post sort of got so much. Um, uh, attraction or impressions, you know, 20,000 impressions. I think what struck me about that post, um, you know, you know, having, being someone who who's known you for a while, and you know, we mm-hmm. about, you know, um, you know, the 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 character that you were about being brutally honest in the past. I think that 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 post showed a lot of humility. I, I felt, you know, and mm-hmm. and it represented a lot of. Of 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 you know you, we were talking about this just now about you know uh, showing showcasing yourself to be a little bit vulnerable in that sense uh, you know uh, as a, as a human being building that connection and I think that vulnerability or you know that post did do give people a sense that, hey, this guy's human and he's, he's, um, you know, he's not stuck up or, you know, he's, he's, uh, he knows what is the process. He's, he's been through uh, a bit of shit and, you know, he's been through a tough time. Um, And I, I, when I read that, that that was the the train of thought that went through my mind. And I think now that we talk about it, I think that's, that's something that, that uh, reinforces that idea about, you know, being, being, you know, when even though you're, you're, you're posting through social media, there needs to be, mm. um, you, you need to give a little bit of your your yourself to a certain extent because if if it becomes plastic, then people yeah. you know, cannot connect to that post. And I think even though LinkedIn is a professional, you know, mm. uh, platform, I think you know having having that um you know, uh, human aspect really does 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 help with with that post. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. People are starved for authenticity. The key word, I think, for marketers and stuff like that for the next, for, for this decade, I think, is authenticity. Yeah. Especially now, you know, you look at COVID, right? The, the marketers that are not doing a good job are very plastic in yeah. the way they put something across. I mean, you bring together a few people and sing a song in the office. You have a Zoom party. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? who gives a shit people want to know are you fucking firing people people want to know are you resuming are you continuing service are you giving refunds are you donating money mm. right people want to know that right so people really want which is why you know you, do you see the gal gadot video of uh, imagine by john lennon going around
0: yeah yeah i think there was a i, I saw a bit of fleck that she and a few other, yeah. other celebrities would
1: get nobody liked it Nobody liked it because it was such a disconnected, disingenuous piece of shit, right? I'm a fan yeah. of Gal Gadot in general, yep. right? You know, which which straight man is, right? But <laughs> but my God, like it was it was just so she she it's like she had a complete lack of awareness of of reality for most people, mm. right? So so this is the thing I think when when uh, ourselves as as creatives and artists and stuff like that, we, we, I think are moving away from the time that we had to pretend to be Don Drapers. Mm. Right. Okay. And I mean, even though I was looking forward to coming back to Singapore and adopting like that personality to see if it would work. I, I think just going off my general knowledge, I think it's probably not going to work anymore. <sighs> right. Um, it's, we we need to constantly be showing a little bit of ourselves. People eat up vulnerability, right? And of course, there are a lot of people who are disingenuous about it, you know, but they're very good. I could be one of them. You don't, you never know, right? Yeah. Right. And so we have to be, we have to be kind of careful whose vulnerability we eat up. But I mean, it's very good for marketing, just sharing a little bit of your pain. Because someone someone out there is going to identify with it. There's only so many different kinds of pain, Yeah. you know?
0: And, and I think this authenticity is also... There has been an issue with social media, I think, in the past few years. And I think it's a lot... It, it comes through a lot more in on platforms like, like Instagram. Because... Um, mm-hmm. There is the the culture of you know I'm gonna post um, the, the, the 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 very exceptional parts of my life you know all the positive stuff mm-hmm. uh, and I think there is a um, there seems to be a lot of that going around and I think I think people are so used to 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 seeing this positive you know uh, exaggerated. Um, mm-hmm realities of you know the good life the perfect life you know the perfect house the perfect wife the perfect dog perfect family blah 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 Um, but the realities of life are more than just the good stuff right so you know when i think i think the authenticity is you know showing the balance balance of the good and the bad and you know saying hey you know everyone's you know everybody's having a bit of a tough time you know we don't need to be um you know assholes about it or we don't need Mm to um you know uh you know um negative toward towards people in that sense so i think the, the the authenticity yeah definitely that you know showcasing a bit of that vulnerability and showcasing that 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 real those realities of life I think is a very important part for for, yeah. for any industry. So yeah I, I definitely agree with you on that part about I think authenticity authenticity is something that we really need to, to think about.
1: Let me use a Singapore analogy. Um you know, you need to be that, on the one hand, people respect vulnerability, but they may not respect a vulnerable a person who is actually vulnerable, like in the sense that, you know, they are weak. So you need to be strong but vulnerable. It's, it's a very strange kind of mix. And in some ways, crafting this persona may be even worse mm-hmm. in the long run. Um, and this is a problem that I'm not sure a lot of people see but is if I can bring up like maybe a Singapore example
2: mm-hmm. think of this kid like maybe like just after army still in university uh, driving uh, driving um,
1: a sports car right oh. with an expensive watch tens of thousands of dollars but goes to the hawker center and orders in Hokkien.
2: Mm -hmm. The
1: auntie will love him, right? Wears unassuming clothes, right? But has that watch, right? The auntie will love him because, oh, he's so down to earth. Still go to the hawker center. But this motherfucker is living the high life, right? Because he's got like, he's everything about it is like extreme privilege. So I think people fall for this a lot. And I think what, I think there is the, the there is a particular combination that works. It's like if you're an extremely successful entrepreneur and you are also humble, people will love you. People will love you. If you're if you are extremely um rich and successful, right, but then you once in a while you show your vulnerabilities or you show yourself like caring for a sick person or something like that, people will eat that up. Right? So it's even though it's good to be vulnerable, it is that vulnerability needs to be served mm. on a plate of um, strength.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I mean, it's. I know it, it's weird, and to me, I actually think it's a little bit gross. Like, for example, like someone who is rich being down to earth is seen with greater respect than somebody who's just being normal because they're a normal person, yeah. right? Effectively, that the same person is just that. Um, I I think people enjoy seeing this dichotomy.
2: Mm. Yeah. They do, they do. So
1: when for, yeah, so for, so for creatives, I think like if you, I think uh, this is something that I've tried to incorporate, which is, for example, my work, which I consider to be decent, right? I I have shitty iPhone videos that obviously show that I have a sense of humor, right? Because I'm zooming in and out. And by the way, like some of those videos have taken me like two hours to make. And the reason, yeah, and my arms basically fall off after that because I have to get it exactly right. Because like, if the if for example the music crescendos in a certain way, the speed of the camera moving has to reflect that. Like, and if it's like an exponential shift in volume, I will snap it at the last minute, at the last second. So like, this is all planned. It's not I didn't just whip out my my phone and and do it. Right. And the reason it works well, the reason people find it entertaining is because there's the craft behind it. But at the same time, it looks humble because I'm not using expensive gear. I'm clearly working on a dining table. (laughs) Right. So, so, you know, there is a little bit of that in there. I think, I think this is a formula that works for me. Mm -hmm. I think that as creatives, I think we also, we cannot be, we cannot just have one flavor. We cannot be one dimensional. We have to show a couple of things. So having a sense of humor, and uh, obviously not taking myself too seriously, but the work is good enough yeah. that you know that I take the work seriously.
2: Yeah.
1: You know that communicates so many things in just in just the video where I don't even speak. Mm. At least this is what I like to think, right? That people are getting off it. But this is this is yeah that that sort of that was my thought process. Mm. So this juxtaposition I think is really important
0: yeah I mean you, you talk about the using the types of equipment right nowadays I think um, you know in terms of video just just purely on video um, mm-hmm. people uh, you you talk about you know a lot of the, the the local media companies nowadays, you know, the, the not not the a, a big agencies, you can see that the content that they create, even though they got money to buy more you know, expensive equipment, like you know, yeah. uh, 4K video cameras, but a lot of the, yeah. the content that's being created still is done on the mobile phone, right? I think there's, there is that... Yeah. The mobile phone, cre- things that are created on a mobile phone do give off that sense of... Um, I think going back to what we talked about, the authenticity, because it doesn't feel yeah. too um, um too, uh, too, too structured or too too planned out in that sense you know there's still that um um you know that, that, that you it removes the the whole idea that oh you you photoshopped it or you um you 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 did you know a whole uh, video editing or VFX mm-hmm. you know so um but the mobile phone does give a little bit of of, of uh, I think that yeah. there is a sense that you know this is this is something that's real and something that's authentic. You know, I think the and I think that that that, that, that strikes a a very good balance for you. Yeah. So I mean, So I mean the so moving on, uh, just moving on in terms of that authenticity thing. I think, um, uh, I was noticing the the work that you were you that you were doing and you know your, um. The projects that you've been doing and the things that you you were learning and the, we, we, we talked about this at the start just now about skill sets right, um, you know you, you you I mean would would you sort of categorize yourself as if there's one role right, um, do you think that you could categorize yourself as one as one role like a oh I'm a computer oh I'm a composer not a computer sorry a composer. Uh, or you know I'm a, I'm a sort of a musician um, because I noticed that you 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 talk you know you talk about things like oh you know if I'm a composer I also have to do my own mixing I also have to do um, you know my own sales and I have to do my own mm-hmm. composition but in terms of the technical wise I have to do my own mixing um, I may even have to do my own recording in terms of the the, the mm-hmm. or the, the the musical instruments. Um, you know the, the, the question I, I wanted to get to is you know do you feel that in the creative industry, um, we are allowed to be, um, you know, specialists in that one specific area, like for example, a composer or 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 a mixer, um, uh, a person who mixes music or a, a music uh, a musician in one of, of one particular, um, uh, instrument, or or does it seem like you know now the you know in when in the music world there needs to be a broader scope of, of skill sets to be successful in this sense. Or still, you know, can can, it, can I still be a specialist in one 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 more no skills? Okay.
1: So I would say that um, if you are a specialist, you have to be really, 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 really good in order to qualify as a specialist in just one skill. However, if you are an 80% specialist in two skills, it is less likely that you will find someone who is a specifically an 80% specialist in those two skills to compete with you. And if you're a, special, if you're a 70% specialist in three skills, mm. right, and you combine them in a very specific kind of offering, your competition eventually dwindles, mm. you know? I mean, so does your potential client base who may not have a need for all three of those skills at once, mm. you know? But this is a way for you to niche down. I would say that um, for a composer, I do not consider being able to mix and doing all this stuff as being a generalist. I think that it's simply that the, the definition of what it means to be a composer in the 21st century has fundamentally shifted because of technology. So, if you are a composer, right, especially a composer for media, specifically a composer for media, right, I would expect you to be able to do all those things. If not, I would expect you to be able to deliver all those things, right? If you have a team, I don't care. I just care about the final product. I think most clients don't really care whether you work with 10 people or 20 people as long as they pay you the same rate, right? Which sucks, right? Because often the rate is so low that you just have to do it yourself.
0: Uh,
2: yeah. um,
1: so I don't think it's so much that... Um, so for composers, you know, it, I think it's not so much that we have to become less specialized mm-hmm. I think that it's just that the scope of what it means to be a composer has grown. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And in general, for people, I think that being, speci- being a specialist is good, but you should be a specialist in at least two things, if not three things, yeah. uh, in, order to do, in, in order to provide a service. Yeah. Let's, let's look at composition for, for a minute, right? So if I were a specialist in composition and composition only, I would not be able to mix, I would not be able to produce, I would not be able to deliver a final WAV file, that is what the client needs. However, I would be able to provide a really good composition, after which uh, I would be able to, maybe I would uh, get a contractor to hire an orchestra, right, and hire a recording engineer who record that, and then that gets sent off to an editor, and that gets sent off to a mix engineer, right and then uh, through this all you know iterations are being overseen by the client and the composer right with approvals and stuff like that and then at the end you send it off to a mastering engineer who um processes the piece so that it is uh it sounds best in a specific type of playback system you know and that it conforms with maybe digital streaming standards etc right so all of a sudden we are taking a a process that requires more than 100 people, you know, 100 people or more, right? And then we are putting that all on a single person, right? So being able to do all those things allows you to do the job. It is not ideal because you may not get the best result, right? But we can't be divas, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, maybe it's not the best, but maybe it's what the job needs. Yeah. And maybe it's what's possible given the budget. So if you want the job, suck it up. If you don't want the job, no problem. Why are we complaining? You don't need it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's I, I think different, definitely different markets um, have different demands in that sense, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, for what you just described, you know, the market is, you know, they're, they're going to pay X amount to expect. Yeah you know, um, uh, mm-hmm. the output of, you know, output of X, Y, Z, right? And that's mm-hmm. the price that they're willing to pay. If the reality is, if you're not going to take up that job, either they'll find somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow or the week after, right? So, okay. um, and and it's not to say that no one's forcing you to take the job, you know, if you're not happy with it, you know, with, with the, with the, uh, the job or sort of scope, and you think that you know it's, it's it's either too big or you really cannot finish it. Then it's it's your choice. Nobody's going to force you to take up that particular yeah. job. At the end of the day, so yeah, I, I just,
1: the, yeah. Then the, I I agree in principle. On the other hand, though, I mean we also have to look at the power dynamics, right, uh, and the relationships between uh, employers and the employees. So if you have an ad agency that's like tens of thousands of people, right, globally hiring one composer, that composer have no has no negotiation power. Right. Whereas like if you were if you were working in like a factory and the, the the workforce were unionized, right, you can't just say I'll go and hire someone else. In fact, that's a pretty shitty thing to do. Right. It's just if you don't want to if if I'm not going to pay you enough to live,
2: mm. but
1: if you're not happy with that, I'll just hire someone else.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Because that's the power that they have. Whereas if you had a union, then the the workers could say, well, if you don't hire me, you don't hire any of us, and we're going to all walk out and cost you millions of dollars in revenue.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Which I think is fair enough. Considering the kind of bullshit that corporations pull on individuals and and, uh, innocent people, I think that having some kind of pushback from a grassroots level Mm -hmm. is extremely important, right? Which is why there needs to be solidarity among creatives uh, to sort of agree to not be undercutting each other, right? Mm-hmm. You can charge as high as you want, yes. but I think agreeing on minimums is is good. Yeah. You know, beyond like if you don't undercut below one thousand, right? Mm-hmm. For something, yeah. then you know, you one thousand to anything above that is the limit,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: So you can still compete on price, yeah. but you won't compete at, on price at a at a level that's going to just kill everyone.
2: Mm.
1: You know? Mm. So I mean, some people might consider that price fixing.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Right? Mm. Right. But the thing is, I mean, when when you when you consider like, for example, like a, a large oil company, mm. right, colluding to set prices and stuff like that, that's a diff- it's very, very different mm. from a bunch of creatives saying we need this money to live. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I don't see that happening at any point really, but it is what will be necessary in order to
0: bring rates up. Yeah, yeah. And then for I mean in the world of composing music, I mean mm-hmm. I I yeah. don't think that there are that many people who have that skill set. Right. Whereas if we're talking about graphic designers, every year you know there are I I think in the in the range of you know. You know a high, high number of thousands of graphic designers that are graduating every year from, you know, from the Asian market and from 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 mm-hmm. Australia or around the world. I think graphic design is as a as a as a, as a degree is you know there's there's, there's 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 such it's such a saturated market in that sense. You know, um, mm-hmm. of course the, the jobs that are for that are there for graphic designers are also a lot more than for I would imagine for composers as well. There's a lot more graphic yeah. designers. Um, which makes, I think, that solidarity a bit hard. I mean, I've, I think for us as uh, designers, and I've seen a lot of the graphic designers also, the trouble that they have is that people are saying that, uh, can, I pay, can I not pay you? Can you do this for free? Um, I think some don't even have that thousand dollar you know minimum yeah. so i i i yeah, i, I if, if that's if that's something that we can strive for as a design yeah. community or creative community in our specific fields i think yeah. that'll would, that would be amazing but you know um, so
1: but, there is a company there's a company called uh there's a non profit organization called freelancers union mm. and i think they managed to uh they managed to advocate to get put into law like a late invoice payment um like penalty or something like that, uh-huh. or like uh, like like you need to pay invoices to your freelancers within a certain amount of time mm. in New York.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So <laughs> uh, you need advocacy groups like that. Yeah. right. It's not really a union, mm. right? Because it's not actually fixing the prices, but it's trying to get signed into law certain regulations. Like for example, is it ever lawful to hire a graphic designer for free? Mm. Right uh if you are uh if you are a charity, maybe if you fill certain conditions you know it's like there there has to be just regulations um surrounding this stuff and in order for that to happen there needs to be um there needs to be advocacy groups to talk to the right kinds of political leaders right i mean i i am not the right person to do it <laughs> but that's what that's what is needed right?
0: yeah i mean hopefully one day we'll get there i mean um yeah we also need to. I mean, locally in Singapore, I think um, uh, price cutting has been a, quite a big thing. I mean, a few years ago, you know, they were they were there was um, a few you know like uh, the government jobs. A lot of them were you know were picked based on prices, and then um, this whole hub. Uh-huh oh, you know, why is our government you know, uh, paying? You
1: asked me. You asked me if there was something fundamentally different between the U.S. market and Singapore yeah. market, etc. Right? Yeah. I will say that in my experience, in uh, among composers in the United States think people trust each other more.
2: Mm. Uh
1: I think in Singapore I have noticed that people are extremely distrustful of of other uh,
0: like, composers. Talking about,
1: no, just other creatives just talking about how much you earn etc oh, and wow. uh, um, sharing information. Yeah, it's not really it's not really a thing and uh that's great for employers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, It's great for
1: boys, but, but in the US, uh, people tend to be a little bit more forthcoming about this. Mm-hmm. I actually ran a group called Business Skills for Composers for about three years. There are about 7,000 composers in it, and mm-hmm. uh very, very frank sharing of how much you get paid for stuff, uh, you know, licensing, uh, sample licensing contracts and things like that. So I think we do need to have stuff like that in Singapore. I pray that I don't have to be the one to do it because I'm really tired of doing that shit, but like if I... Given my personality, there is a possibility that I might try something like that at some point in the future.
0: Alright, very good. Very good. We we may, uh, if I can support you in any way of endeavor, please let me know if you do decide to... Do, do,
1: give it a few years. Alright. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, but I think that that, that sort of, uh, I, I think that's a good, good point to end off. I think, uh, I think this is a very good uh, sort of closing point, I think when we, you know, as, especially if we talk about, you know, freelancers and the gig economy in terms of how we can promote at least some form of consistency in how we're being paid uh, and, make, and ensuring that, you know, the, the value that we provide is being reimbursed back to us. I think um, yeah. you know, something that really needs to be um, looked at, you know, and, and I think yeah. if and get government in, or, you know, some form of, uh, you know, uh, uh, organization to, to look into this. I think that would be something that, I think for the Singapore market, uh, I think that's something that's yeah. very useful in the long run. Uh,
1: we definitely need to start with something realistic, like never do something for free. I think it's quite a good place to start, Yeah, you know, like because that's the absolute rock bottom. Mm. Maybe we should start with ne- never pay to do work. Yeah. I don't know if that happens. I mean, it certainly happens like for bands, they have to pay to play. Uh,
2: right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if that still happens, but it's usually for like shitty little gigs and stuff like that. And uh, those are the ones where the people are vulnerable and must be protected because they don't have a lot of sway. Mm. Right? They don't hold a lot of sway. So, um, for creative people, I mean, I, I think if we start with a very reasonable goal, like should we ever work for free? Mm then if the answer is a collective no then we can agree and everyone who wants to work as a creative in Singapore can agree to this yeah. right I think we're good mm. right uh, but of course it's not it's not going to be easy to get everyone to sign that yeah
0: yeah, yeah. we need to yeah. well, I think if we can get to that point it will be a, yeah. a very very big success already because now I, I mean yeah. what we see it's, it's, it's nowhere near that
1: yeah yeah because not working agreeing to not work for free is not price fixing
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it's not
0: yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> fixing it out of zero, I guess you know, yeah,
1: <laughs> fixing it out of zero at least above zero, and mm. I think like you know if if working for free is different from someone paying you one cent, because if someone pays you one cent, that is just the most profoundly insulting thing, yeah, <laughs> right, but but if they if if it's for free, mm. you know, I mean you might still consider it always oh, exposure, but if someone pays you one cent, it's just you. You'd be more inclined to tell them to the piss off. <laughs> yeah.
0: you can pay them the one cent to go away. Yeah, yeah. But That'd I cool man. But yeah, thanks for thanks very much for for coming on, Siawan. I think uh, you know I really enjoyed the conversation that we've had. I mean. Um, having you to come on and talk about um, you know uh, the life of a composer and a musician, I think that really gives a lot of insight to to the industry. And I think you know um, uh, other creatives that, that are listening to this um, can also you know learn from it and really uh, take into consideration some of the things that we, we we spoke about. So you know on that note, I think you know I'll thank you for your time, and you know um, to to everyone who's listening to the podcast or the YouTube channel, thank you very much. For your time. Um and yeah, we'll see you around. And uh if you want to connect with, with Xiaon, I will put his links in the description. And we'll see you at the next episode. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Bye. Yon. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.